Blog Talk Radio. A council on the future of education. Fire, frustration, and discord are burning in every city. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Council on the Future of Education. I'm Dr. Rob, Rob Furman, and uh, I've got a great 30 minutes in store for you here. We have an absolute fantastic guest today. Uh, it's going to be one of those few rare times for those of you that listen to us regularly where I'm going to try not to talk a lot, even though I know that's hard for me, but uh, I'm really interested to hear what, what our guest has to say here. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, ESSA which is the, uh, the I got, I'm not sure how new it is. I think it's relatively new. The Every Student Succeed Act, we'll get more details about its history from our guests. Um, but there's a lot going on, as we know, in the legislative side uh, of education right now. So we've got a guest here that's going to help us sort of dig through all that. Her name is Callie Kozlak. She's the field campaign manager at Unidos U.S the largest national Latino civil rights and advocacy organization in the United States. Uh, she's based out of Washington, D.C., but she does a lot with multi-state advocacy campaigns uh, for education. Uh, prior to that, Callie was a leadership for educational equity policy fellow at the United States Department of Education in the office of the secretary under the Obama administration, which is uh, fabulous. I'm really excited to hear what she has to say about all of these things. She's definitely one of the experts. She worked with senior staff on the regulatory process for the federal ESSA, Every Student Succeeds Act, and led educator engagement and outreach initiatives. Before the U.S. Department of Ed, Ms. Kozlak was the National Director of Public Policy and Funding for Citizen Schools, which is an education nonprofit that partners with Title I schools uh, to expand the learning day for middle school students. Ms. Kozlak also was a teacher, which is nice to know that our uh, government officials are also teachers. She taught first grade and preschool in Washington, D.C., and prior to teaching, she worked at the National Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under law, manages education projects, parental empowerment programs. She currently serves on the board of directors for the Young Playwrights Theater, a D.C.-based nonprofit that partners with local public schools to teach playwriting to K-12 students. She holds a master's degree in education from George Mason, and a bachelor's degree from Boston College. And her Twitter account is at Callie Kozlak, K-A-L-L-I-E-K-O-Z-L-A-K. And um, like I said, I'm so excited to hear what she has to say because uh, not only is she uh, in the government side of things, but she's an honest-to-goodness teacher, and she's obviously uh, impassioned by the arts, which, as many of you know, are two of my favorite things. Uh, Callie, welcome. Well, thank you, Rob. Nice to be here today. Yeah, and, and we're honored to have uh, such an esteemed educator uh, on our show. And thank you so much for coming. Uh, can you give us a little bit of information uh, in general about ESSA and, and why it's something that's so important to, to our educational community and understanding of the law? Sure. So um, ESSA, as you mentioned earlier, is the Every Student Succeeds Act. Um, it is a reauthorized version of the historic civil rights law called the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of, of 1965. You know, this law was designed to help states better serve low-income and historically disadvantaged students with supplemental federal dollars. You'll often hear Title I, which is the, one of the, the biggest provisions of, of the federal law. 
and in, in 2002, um, the Elementary and the Secondary Education Act became No Child Left Behind, was signed into law. Um, it was a way to reauthorize the the historic law, and um, and when it was reauthorized as No Child Left Behind, it set national benchmarks and parameters for accountability for student performance, um, measured by assessments, which which hadn't been happening before. So at, at that point, the public. Um, the public data was required to be be disaggregated by federally recognized subgroups, so that it, it really was a way to shine a light on how all all kids were doing, um, versus just looking at at the data in the aggregate, where high performers could more easily mask the performance of others. So it gave us a better snapshot into how kids from all different backgrounds were doing across across different states. Then in um, in 2015. Um, Congress uh, reauthorized No Child Left Behind. It was one of those rare bipartisan situations in the U.S. Congress, and it was signed into law by President Obama. And and when it was reauthorized, you know, a lot of stakeholder input went went into that that process, both from civil rights community, from states. Um, it really put more power back in the hands of states to set goals and and indicators for measuring um, progress and how to differentiate and, and look at schools, but the law maintains its civil rights roots um, and really you know, aimed to continue to set important guardrails for accountability and, and reporting of all students to ensure that, so, that all students were being counted in the school state system. Right. So, so let me ask you a question. Somebody who's obviously been uh, deeply involved with ESSA and, and administration and so forth, um, from a, from a layperson's point of view, we always hear about how high stakes testing just doesn't work. It's 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 been more of a more of a, of a criminal act to put these things against our kids. But I always feel that um, anybody who says that an, an easy rebuttal is we have to we have to be held accountable. Teachers have to be held accountable. Students have to be held accountable. And and we can people can defend a lot just by using the word accountability. In your opinion, having really seemed to be very deep into this, how does the idea of accountability being a positive term versus high-stakes testing, which at the moment I'm going to use that as a negative term, how does the government and, and you and the people involved with this, how do they balance that? How do you balance those two things? We understand we have to be held accountable, but we also know that high-stakes testing, at least from the research I'm reading, isn't that effective. What are your thoughts? Right. No, I, I think you, you you know that's a very good point, Rob. And as a former teacher, definitely you know empathize with um, so the the pressures of of testing and and what that feels like for a school community and and families. But I think you know when I think about accountability and and what ESSA is, I really it it is a it's a tool. It's a tool for measuring progress, so we can see how schools are doing across multiple indicators. And then you know when we have that data. And it's sort of accessible to to educators, to families, to the public. You know, we can really think about using it, target resources for school improvement, and um, and using evidence-based solutions, so that you know it's not we're not kind of taking a shot at the dark, but we're but we're really being smart based on on that data. Um, and I think in you know in the law there was a lot of when it was reauthorized as ESSA, you know there was a lot of wins around around equity, um, including 
you know, asking states to and, and kind of requiring states to engage families and communities in, con in the consultation project uh, or process, or, excuse me, around the plan. Um, you know, having those accountability pieces, but again, you know, with accountability, just being able to, to see how, how schools are doing um, and making it more, the data more accessible and, and really trying to, to target the, towards the needs of students. I mean, the school shouldn't be getting an A under a school, a statewide grading system if it's not serving all of its kids effectively. Right. And, and, and again, you know, using the word accountability is almost a, uh, the magic shield because I don't think anybody could ever argue the need to be held accountable for, to, for us to educate all children. Um, and and, and I, I completely agree with you on that. I'm just not sure that, that the process works that way. Um, I, I see a lot of people being more concerned about, like, if you were to take these tests, and a deficiency popped up and the government said, oh, look, X district is having a trouble in X area. Let's throw X amount of money at them to help them. Then I think that might be more palatable. But what it seems like is we get is, oh, X is doing bad in this area. They're a horrible district. We're going to write them off. The media jumps on it. Every, every parent in the area jumps on it. And it becomes more of a PR nightmare whenever you've just had one bad testing year. Uh, I, I wish it would be used in the authentic way that you're explaining it rather than what I think it's turned out to be, which is just ways to be, to be more negative. Um, because I think that the idea of people using the data to, to point fingers and to pass blame and those type of things are more prevalent than the government saying or whoever saying, look, X district is having trouble in X area, so let's try to help. We haven't seen the help. <laughs> we, we could say that, but we haven't seen the help. Um, and the other thing I find interesting, and I, I used to work in, in inner city Pittsburgh, and um, okay. it, was, it, was, it was probably one of the most difficult and yet one of the most fulfilling experiences I ever had. Um, just 98% just, uh, African-American, 98, 99% Free and reduced. I mean, it was the third most violent school in the state when I worked there. Um, it was up on the north side of Pittsburgh. It was the middle school. It was just a really intense school, but I loved it. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing place to work. Um, during that time, just after that, uh, I forget who it was, Gates, I think it was, threw, threw $64 million at the city of Pittsburgh and said, here, let's let's make this better. Let 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 let's create a teacher evaluation and let's do this and that. Ten years later, after that, Pittsburgh's no better. So it seems like they're throwing a lot of money at these things without any real means of of making this improvement. And you know, Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh, even after how many years of No Child Left Behind and everything else. I, I are we seeing the improvements? Because of No Child Left Behind, because of ESSA, is, is, there, is there improvements? Because I, I go back to the idea of, you know, if, if, if it ain't working, it might be time to move on. Are we seeing <laughs> improvements in these systems? And, and you would know. You're, you're in the place to tell us. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, Rob. The accountability can lose the, the messaging war at times, and it, it does cause a lot of, um, you know, political tension and, and PR issues. Um, 
but in, in, in terms of, of us as implementations, I mean, it's still relatively in kind of the, the early stages of the, the process. I mean, we have 34 states that have approved plans, 17 are, um, have, have extensions, and um, so, the, so there, it's, states are still trying to kind of suss through this. And I think I've seen too in, in my work that you know, states are still trying to kind of like, do we treat ESSA as a compliance exercise or do we really kind of use it to reform and innovate what we're doing? Um, and I think that's where an important role where advocates can play in, in sort of bringing those ideas to the table. And I think to, to really make this work over the long, the long term is it's, you need to engage the, the people who are most impacted by education. That's the teachers, that's the students, that's the families. And bring those voices to the table so that they are authentically engaged around data, around school improvement ideas, um, so that we're kind of getting at, at the heart of issues and, and thinking through like what, what's going to work best here if we do use funds and target funds towards um, particular purposes. So, so how, how do you uh, think the states should really begin in terms of looking at this plan and, and using the ESSA to its fullest advantage? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, looking outside of the box of just ESSA as a compliance exercise, I think I've seen with some states, they're, it's almost like setting up two different systems, like well, what do we need to do to kind of get, get the check mark from the federal government, and then what, you know, we're going to kind of continue to do what we have planned. Um, and that's not to say what they have planned is, is not valuable, it's just how do you marry the two so that States are operating under under one system that is also within the framework of, you know, federal federal accountability and and ESSA's sort of civil rights spirit. Um, so I, I think that that could create a lot of a lot of progress for for ESSA down down the road. And I think right. in states too, just continuing. I think for for the public to kind of look out, look at what states or districts are doing around ESSA to to find those avenues to kind of be be a voice on it. Whether they're asking for public comments or having a forum, um, working with advocacy groups um, that are sort of monitoring this more closely and and really weighing in on what on what this looks like in practice. Right, absolutely, and, and you had said earlier about you know and getting getting everybody around the table to really make these decisions, uh, especially the, the 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 most important stakeholders, uh, the teachers and the parents and the students themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did an article uh, a while back. Let's see, it was uh, in 2015 uh, for the Huffington Post about the Senate uh, Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pension. Whenever they actually approved. Uh, I think it was then it was called the Every Child Achieves Act, something to that effect. And, um, and the interesting thing was out of the uh, 22 members on that team, um, there was only one person who was, we'll say, sort of an educator. Uh, he, was a, he was a substitute gym teacher. And out of all of the rest of them, you had lawyers, accountants, businessmen, doctors, uh, an, an, an economist, uh, journalism, I'm reading through these that I had written here, a, a full-time politician. Uh, there was one person who was, who was a part-time teacher, uh, Al Franken, he was a comedian. Uh, Michael Bennett was at one point in time the superintendent of schools. Uh, so we'll, we'll give them a, a teacher and a half. 
out, out of all these people. So when you've got that sort of cross area of people making the decisions for educators, but yet you only have a teacher and a half on that committee, how are they to make these decisions for us? And that's, and I think a lot of educators get very frustrated when we see that type of cross-section of society and the only voice that we get is maybe a teacher and a half out of the 22-some that were here, but yet they're making all of these grand decisions for us who are in the trenches day in and day out. Uh, not to mention the fact that a lot of times they make laws over top of laws. You, you've got you've got your IDEA that says we have to educate special ed kids at their instructional level, and then you've got at the time No Child Left Behind who was saying, yeah, but we got to test them on this at their grade level. So we're instructing them at one level, testing them at another grade level. That doesn't even make sense to a to a normal person who would be making up these laws. So there's just like they trip over each other, and yet we can't seem to get anybody to say or to at least let us uh, be a part of the conversation as educators. Um, how do how do you see us being able to to make that leap from teachers, students, and parents and families into the conversation? How do you think we should attempt to get into the conversation when it comes to you know what the states are going to do with the ESSA program and so forth? Yes. No, I know it's it's kind of scary, right, that there's a lot of people making decisions that have no kind of practical experience in the in the classroom. But I mean and and I get it. It's it's difficult. I, I work in advocacy and policy full time and I get paid to do it. it. It's easy to kind of pay attention and, and follow things and find those those avenues to have a voice. If you know, you've got a full time job it, it makes it a little bit harder. I will um you know, there are groups out there such as like Teach Plus, um, um, Educators um, in Excellence, they you know purposely like engage um, engage teachers in sort of the policy making process, both like training teachers and kind of getting them to write white papers and sort of be involved with these conversations. So there are some kind of specific groups that work in major urban areas um, across the country doing this work. Um, when I was at the Department of Education, we also we had this. Um, program called called Teach to Lead um, and we did and, and actually Teach to Lead still still exists um, bringing you know doing regional convenings around the country and and groups of teachers would come on their own dime um, because they really wanted to spend some time sort of thinking through um, a, a model for how to sort of solve a problem at their school and, and the department and some of its partners, you know, use that as an opportunity to, to, bring, to bring those voices to train teachers and, and bring their voices to, to the table around um, how to engage in policy making. Fantastic. You know what? We missed our PSA time. So uh, if you just give me, give me a minute, Callie, can you, can you hang on the line here for a minute sure. for us? Great. Uh, we'll be back, everybody, for uh, let's do one minute with our public service announcements. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I did the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. 
We're more connected than ever before. 90% of America's students use some form of social media, but not all of it's used in a good way. Hurtful posts online are leading to social isolation for many. Psychologists say it's bullying in a brand new way. Well, beyond differences in I Keep Safe, are looking to change that with ideas for students, their parents, and even teachers. Take the pledge to be kind online and learn more at wearekindonline.com. And we're back on the Council on the Future of Education. I'm Rob Furman. Uh, if you ever need to get in contact with me, Twitter is usually the best way, at Dr. Furman or at Dr. Furman. Uh, my website, robfurman.com. We also have the uh, Future of Education website, Council on the Future of Education website. It's edufuture.us. And we also have our Twitter account as well, edufuture underscore US. We're here with Callie Kozlak. Uh, her Twitter is at Callie, C-A-L-L-I-E, Kozlak, K-O-Z-L-A-K. And I'm having a lot of fun with this conversation. And boy, Callie really is a as a, quite an intellectual individual when it comes to, it seems like, ESSA and the law. And she certainly had a whole lot of experience. So I'm looking forward to digging back in here. Um, Callie, can you tell us a little bit, <coughs> excuse me, about uh, what you're currently working on in education? Sure. So I, um, I work with a, a civil rights advocacy group called um, Unidos US, and as you mentioned in the intro, we're the largest civil rights um, advocacy organization. And, and, and right now, given, you know, we did a lot of work at the federal level um, around the, the reauthorization process of, of ESSA. And you know now where that process is, is is in the hands of states in terms of creating their plans and then implementing their plans. So um, you know Unidos, along with a lot of um, local advocates and, and other national groups as well, are kind of monitoring that process and what it looks like and, and trying to position ourselves to provide some technical assistance on on ESSA, as well as put you know markers out there for um, sort of what we what we want to to see implementation look like. Um, for, for example, report cards. I think re report cards and, and sort of clear and transparent data reporting um, can be a really useful tool for, for advocates and communities and, and families and educators. And, um, you know, like how do you make that the data um, accessible and digestible to folks as well as do it in a, in a language that, um, that families can understand too. So advocating yeah. for, for areas like that um, to help really um, bring the spirit of the law to, to life. Don't even get me started about grading. <laughs> That's, that is a huge <laughs> pet peeve of mine. I, I, I love how somebody can give you a letter, A, B, C, D, F, and somehow that's supposed to be considered uh, quality reporting. Because I could say, you have a B in math. Well, does that mean my kid knows how to do math or not? Well, he knows better than average, but not, not all of it. Or he has a C in math. What does that mean? Well, he gets some of it. <laughs> it's like, how vague could you be? I might as well give you a squirrely cue with a smile in it and say, here's your grade. You know, it makes absolutely no sense. To anybody, we really need to get to a skills-based report card where it says, "My kid knows how to multiply up to the eights or divide up to here." That would be so so much nicer and so much more informative for parents and teachers and the students. Even you know, do I know it or do I not? Don't give me these vague letters that really have no no depth in terms of do I know it or do I not know it? Do you agree with me? 
Yeah, it, like, it's a complex, that's... complex situation. <laughs> well, and when I speak to report cards, Rob, you know, I'm, I'm in, un, in under the ESSA context, thinking about their, you know, state and, and school report cards. So that's one of the requirements sure. around ESSA is, you know, as states are collecting all this data, that they're then reporting that out um, on on how schools are doing. And and there's five there's five key indicators under the law. It's um, you know proficiency for students, um, gro growth, how are schools doing around serving um, their English learner students high school graduation rates and, and school quality, which which is a bit of a broader category that states can use to measure their, their school. So you know, wanting to, to kind of see how all schools are, are doing across those indicators and then what it looks like for subgroups of students within those schools. Absolutely. So real briefly here, tell me about your uh, playwriting here. So you're, you're a partner of <laughs> local public schools to teach playwriting. How does that work? Yes, um, I'm very a proud board member of of Young Playwrights Theater. It is a um, a, re a really interesting uh, model where um, teachers or student teachers go in and partner with schools to teach students a, a playwriting curriculum, and then that local actors then take that curriculum and perform it um, in free public performances throughout the city. So it's it's a great way for students to kind of learn English language arts in in a different way um, and also to you know express themselves in, in a new and, and creative way. Um, that sounds so, yeah. amazing. Yeah, that sounds really amazing. The uh, Are you familiar with a, an app called Plotagon? I am not. All right, write I'm this down, down, Callie. It's P-L-O-T-A-G-O-N, Plotagon. It's, uh, I talk about it a lot in, in, my, in my, first, my second book, Motivating the Reluctant Readers, on how to get them uh, interested in writing. What it is is you, you, you download this tablet, or I'm sorry, this template, and, and it's free unless you want to like, you know, buy the upper, upper grade stuff, but uh, you download this template, and then you write a script, a, a normal, everyday script, Johnny and Susie. Uh, who's saying what, how you can write, like, how they're feeling in, in the parentheses, just like you would see in, in a traditional script. Uh, where are they standing? What are, the, what are their hands doing? And it's real, real simple. Um, and then you push a button, and it magically appears as a movie to the right of your script in cartoon Ooh, fashion. That's neat. It's, it's so much fun, <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Check it out. You'll really enjoy it. All right, we have, we have like, two minutes left, Callie. Give me... Um, one broad stroke statement that if, if you could, if you could say something, all the educators out there, you know, sort of give them, give them the mantra, well, what would that be? <laughs> I, I would say to all the educators, I mean, your voice, your voice is critical, um, to education policy. And I know it's, it's so challenging when you've got a million other things to do as, as a teacher, but, you know, as you kind of grow in your, in your career, um, to really find those leadership opportunities, um, whether it's through an advocacy group, through a nonprofit, or even just working through your own district to try and, um, you know, be an in, important voice around, around school improvement. You, you know your kids, you know what they need, uh, and just to continue to engage in the process because that's the only way it's going to get better. Uh, amen. Thank you so much, Cal. You are definitely, uh, you should join our council on the future of education because you certainly talk the talk like the rest of us. Uh, we all feel the <laughs> same way. So thank you so much for that 
breath of fresh air coming from an advocacy group. Uh, everybody, this is the Council on the Future of Education. If you want to get a hold of Callie, uh, go to her Twitter at Callie Kozlak, K-A-L-L-I-E-K-O-Z-L-A-K. You can find her there. You can find me at Dr. Furman, at Dr. Furman. Uh, this Callie, again, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate your time. Uh, thank you, Rob, for the opportunity, and thank you for all the, the work you're doing. Uh, well, we're trying our best. You are, too. We appreciate it. Anyways, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This is the Council on the Future of Education. The Council on the Future of Education. Fire, frustration, and discord are burning in every city.